issue at printer. And we are back with another episode of the Santa Barbara Public Library Coffee Break. As usual, joined by my co-host. Cassidy Charles. And today's guest. Lisa Newbert. Lisa is our... Do you have a library? I think something with a librarian, or is it? It's a programming librarian. Okay. It has changed a couple of times. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I no. understand your confusion. <laughs> <laughs> because you work with, you do programming uh, at the central library, but you also do uh, some community-based programming. But um, you do a lot of programming with. Uh, young adults, yeah. uh, adults as well. <laughs> Pretty much everyone. Large scale <laughs> community. <laughs> and it does run the gamut. Yeah, you did the murder mystery, you've done escape room, yeah. you've done, I mean, Harry Potter. All the fun stuff, really. Yeah. And I actually, fingers in. I think I'm, I was uh, misspoken in that uh, you are, you're at the Central Library, but you've also done programming at Eastside That's over right. the summer. So Yeah, and we're kind of focusing on doing some cool new programming at Eastside soon, so we're excited mm-hmm. about it. Shout out to the Eastside branch. <laughs> Ahmad doing good things over at Eastside. <laughs> so, um, yes, we as we start off as we usually do <laughs> with uh, upcoming events. And so we're taking the lid off this episode of uh, SB Reads. Is it? Is it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, the press release went out, I think, last week. Yeah. So, do you want to explain, Lisa, sure. what the Santa Barbara Reads program is and what makes the Santa Barbara Reads pr- annual program special for 2018? Yeah. So this is the 17th annual Santa Barbara Reads program, and it's essentially where we, the public library, offer the community a book to share and to open up conversations and really get the community talking about things that are relevant to them. Uh, This year we're celebrating the bicentennial of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and we're all very excited. Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus. I do love love Frankenstein. All italicized, (laughs) single, (laughs) very important, one title. Single title. title. Indeed. Um, But 1818, now 2018, so... 200 years of being really in the public eye and being relevant ever since mm-hmm. it was published. I mean, the, the book, yes, but I feel like Mary Shelley only recently, I mean, recently is in like the 1950s, 1960s has really gotten her due. I mean, she was kind of, I mean, it was that Muriel Spark, I think it was, that had a couple books about her and then she kind of came, but she, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll dive more into that yes. in a second. <laughs> Coming soon. But one thing that's going to really make Santa Barbara Reads special this year, we hope, um, is that first, we're excited that it's been funded by the Santa Barbara Public Library Foundation. Yeah, and so it gives us the opportunity to really open up our programming and actually open up the books that we're reading. So instead of just offering the community free copies of Frankenstein, which is in the public domain, by the way, which we're really excited about, so you can get it digitally for free on all of your favorite platforms. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're also providing a lot of different entry points for talking about the themes of the novel and about Mary Shelley and all of that great stuff by offering books for all ages that surround Frankenstein and its themes and lots of good in-depth biographies of Mary Shelley. So we're really excited to get everyone talking about it, even if they don't read Frankenstein Mm -hmm. itself. Or if, you know, you've read it before and you don't want to reopen that text, you can approach it from a different way. Yeah, you're going to get to see how the themes of the book are kind of applied through history, not even uh, the immediate, like, last two years of publishing history, but uh, I know that uh, the Santa Barbara Reads team has worked to put together 
bibliography and a slew of offerings. Yeah, it's an incredibly large list of exciting books that just kind of run the gamut of everything from graphic novels aimed for all ages. There's even board books so that we can get our baby and me programming into some Frankensteins. And I mean, in a lot of ways, it's one of the first, if not the first sci-fi novels out there. So in terms of jumping off and the opportunities to kind of broaden the scope, I mean, not to say that everyone's read Frankenstein, but maybe a lot of folks have have read the book, but finding other ways to approach it and re-approach it, because it is a book that rewards you know, multiple readings and revisiting every now and then, and Mm -hmm. so. Absolutely, there's kind of been a focus on the programming team to look at the different ways that that novel really approaches the ethics of scientific advancement, which is currently still a really huge hot topic, right? Yeah, so when I was promoting the program in uh, one of our computer classes this morning, and someone mentioned like, cloning or like the conversations on science and like cloning and I was like oh yep coming this October (laughs) (laughs) enjoy Gattaca exactly oh yeah (laughs) so yeah yeah we have a one of the exactly (laughs) we have um our Friday matinees will all be Frankenstein themed from the classic 31 James Whale Frankenstein all the way to things like Gattaca or Ex Machina these recent movies that grapple with those same Those scientific. are great choices. <laughs> both, of those, both of those films are excellent. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, um, I mean, programming-wise, I see you have a large <laughs> it's a terrifying color-coded large spreadsheet, spreadsheet, our planning yeah, when, spreadsheet. When you have to shrink the font down to a level where you have to really peer at it, that's when you know that you're kind of... We've got a lot of programming happening. Um, so this year, Santa Barbara Reads is running through October. We actually kick off on September 28th with a Make SB Ooh. party celebration. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not news. That, that's not news. Um, and then it just runs almost all of our regular programming. We'll kind of take some sort of lens through which to view Frankenstein. Kind of our kids' programming, we're focusing a lot on making and creation mm-hmm. in a lot of Bringing ways. Bringing to life. Exactly. Animating. Animal, <laughs> animal dissect. Oh, no. 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 Hard pass. <laughs> <laughs> but then it, we're just doing a bunch of also specific programming around it. Many of our book clubs will be reading the book or so for a social justice book club, they'll be also reading Mary Wollstonecraft's Vindication of the Rights of Woman, which is exciting and kind of taking that angle of Mary Shelley's mother and how childbirth. (laughs) Yes. Well, and how that like her mother, her political views and her absence in her life also shaped Frankenstein, Mm -hmm. which is fascinating. But then we kind of culminate in a costume ball at the end of the month, which is I'm very excited about <laughs> as I am. Like Halloween is my jam. Halloween in general is always fun, but when you can frame it around something like this and have a, like a common meeting point, everyone's dressed up. Like yeah, mm-hmm. that yeah. should be should be good times. You can have an exciting costume dance party at the library. In the library proper. It's gonna be in the Faulkner. Faulkner. That's right. So we're excited to really get into the planning of that. So start your costumes now. Mm-hmm. If you're a planner, you're going to want to <laughs> get on that. And nowadays, there is so much that goes into it. So you have to like secure your clothing. And if you're doing any kind of latex work and things of that sort. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong. Gotta There'll come also correct. be a makeup class happening in October. So you can learn how to do your own monster makeup. 
before the costume ball. Smoky eye. Can I learn <laughs> how to finally get that down? If only. <laughs> Someone could teach me that. Um, and then there's also, there's going to be opportunities uh, throughout the month. Um, I want to say in the community, but I know that uh, we're planning a bunch of different promotional things that the details haven't come through, but uh, the community can kind of expect to see hints of Frankenstein. Yeah, absolutely. So if you yeah, follow our social everywhere. media, yeah. we will keep you up to There's date. There's going to be lots of fun tidbits. We'll do book drops around the community, mm. so keep an eye out and get some free books. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, that's an exciting activity, and if my computer class students are any indication or th- <laughs> thermometer of excitement, I was like, well, this isn't what we were going to talk about today. Well, it was the end of class, but uh, they... Uh, we're all kind of reminiscing about different entries in the Santa Barbara Reads history of so Ready Player One and Station Eleven last year, and so now Frankenstein is still all very exciting. Mountains uh, Beyond Mountains? That was my first, like I was seven or something. Tracy Kidder. It's a good book. Marilyn Robinson. The Those were my favorite. We did Marilyn Robinson when you were another good one. Oh, Santa Barbara Reads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Han Where just yeah. stared off into this the like middle Hong's distance. like first book. It's, I mean, there's <laughs> been so many. Henrietta Lacks, you know. Uh, yeah. And on oh, and so yeah. forth. Well, there's been 17. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I've only been here for 10 or 11, so. Only. <laughs> really old <laughs> off there, Hong. Old bones. Yeah, no. I still, I mean, I don't know what, what constitutes being like a local whatever and I'll ne- I don't think I'll ever get there and I get I think I have a stringent definition you know like I still feel like a tourist here I go back home to LA now I'm a tourist in there so I I'm just a drift <laughs> I'm a drift no, it's, it's good to have a high standard you know it gives you something to strive for <laughs> <laughs> my mom's not here but she'd, she'd be she'd be happy can you um and then we have we have an additional event uh slipping a little into our community calendar we have uh Make SB showcase for the kickoff. Yes, September fourth, mm-hmm. uh, September twenty eighth. Yes. Yeah. Friday. So yes, the kickoff will be September twenty eighth. Um, we're bringing Luminous Davina back. She was at our original kickoff in June, and um, she played first that night. And so some folks may not have gotten to see her, but if you haven't gotten to see her, you're in for a treat because she was awesome. Um, also have Ezra, Michael, and then a, a band called Slanted Land that will be here, and then we're gonna be doing various crafts. Frankenstein Yay. themed, hopefully. Yeah. Also, we'll I was thinking, <laughs> I was hoping it to do will a, be. a hot <laughs> dog, not. a hot dog, and barbecue with like nice cups, Frankenstein, but no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Grown. Not this year. Yeah, no, no hot dogs. That's that's fake news. <laughs> so yeah, that should be fun. Um, what else do we have going on in September? Um, we at the Central Library will be having a computer class. It'll be every, well, besides the first Tuesday, um, all subsequent Tuesdays after that, uh, the Labor Day weekend, will be Tuesdays at 11, uh, Gmail boot camp. So people can come in Tuesdays at 11, stay for an hour and expect to learn a lot about Gmail, getting set up with that. And then uh, I think it's the last Saturday. No. Thursday. It's not. There's a Thursday class too. There's a th- uh, the last Thursday of the month is Tech Talk, with me, <laughs> and uh, it's kind of an open discussion group of um, technology. Any questions that you've had? Kind of see how other people have 
um, maybe their mobile devices set up, but the classes that, the other uh, times that we've run the class, people, it's kind of just idea sharing and um, being comfortable using, using their devices. And there's also a podcast interest group meeting. I think the tw September 22nd. Which is yeah. less about podcast production, more just about podcasts exactly. you might not know about. And because there's What's so the many podcast now. App? I know all of our, hopefully all of our listeners, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I found it, but for our people listening on browsers, come on September 22nd. And I feel like Apple, you're pretty well set. If you have an Apple phone, you're going to use Apple Podcasts. Is but Android is, a, is the Wild West. There's like no, <laughs> Google just put out Google Podcasts and maybe folks are moving there, but Google has never had done a great job of getting people to kind of all go to their side. Except know, so. I'm super fascinated by the Apple users who have uh, like Apple podcasts but use other apps because they're like better experiences and I haven't jumped ship as an Apple user to those like other podcast listening apps but I know you're out there. <laughs> the green and come on <laughs> the, like come on the 22nd and tell me why so you you're using this other app to your yeah. side? <laughs> what and why? I'm curious. Yeah, because I'm yeah. curious what other bell and bells and whistles you're getting with these other apps, or maybe it's just a familiarity thing. Mm -hmm. Like, know, what so. makes that app a better listening? I mean, that's what keeps me on Google Play over Spotify. Is uh, besides the fact that I subscribe to YouTube and yeah, <laughs> I get the free <laughs> subscription there. But yeah, so familiarity mm -hmm. and all my playlists. Whenever I like, hey, let me send you a playlist. Google Play? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Oh, no. Yeah. I still love them. Uh, All so right. Yeah, that's what we have going yeah. on in September. You can always check the library's events calendars for what's going on at the Central Library as well as all of our branches at sbplibrary.org. And so I guess that leads us into our staff picks. Do you want to go first? We can... Oh, it's yeah. What are more you of an open question. I have, like, a pile, so which maybe is, you yeah. guys can better. go first. Yeah, that's okay. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. We'll roll pile? on a Frankenstein theme, okay, maybe, let's, to yeah, start we'll, with. We'll segue. All right. All right. My, I'll go. My, My book, book is definitely not Frankenstein. <laughs> <coughs> Young Romantics, The Tangled Lives of English Poetry's Greatest Generation by Daisy Hay. It's a good one. Yes, and I only bring it up because of the Frankenstein <laughs> theme and the fact that the Daisy Hay, when she was researching and writing this book, uh, the only reason I picked up this book when it came out in 2010, actually, is because there was a big uh, hullabaloo about the fact that she had found letters that Claire Claremont had wrote. They were part of another archive that the New York Public Library had picked up, and the New York Public Library actually still has all these letters and, and whatnot in their collection. But within the letters that she was writing, I believe she was cleaning up letters that her corresponds to her and her mother. She'd also written uh, like a three-page screed of uh, like a uh, she was like people had asked her to write a memoir because she lived such an interesting life but she never really got all the way through but she had a few pages and there were three pages of the memoir within that collection of notes that the uh, author Daisy Hay found while she was researching the collection at the New York Public Library and within that within those three pages are kind of some how she really felt about kind of the time she spent with Byron and Shelley and and it's really interesting because um you know it's Byron and Shelley are, are kind of lionized as these, you know, the Romantic period is, is kind of like, you know, post-Enlightenment. It was a good counterpoint, and it was a great period. And in terms of the stuff that comes out of there, I mean, they're, it's hard not to think of them as these, like, monoliths, these titans of, of I mean, literature. there's the Byronic hero. The Byronic yeah. hero. You get to 
Shelley, in terms of Ozymandias, yep. you would not have Watchmen without Ozymandias, King of King. I mean, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but yeah, <laughs> never mind. Oh, no. And then, um, <laughs> and are then we spoiling Watchmen beyond, for Ozymandias? Beyond that, yeah, I'll just say that. That's all you need to know. I won't say anything else. Beyond that, I mean, <laughs> The Mask of Anarchy is a kind of pioneering work on nonviolent aggression as a means of social protest. So you have people as diverse as Martin Luther King and Gandhi, you know, Karl Marx, which is not exactly a a ringing endorsement, but Karl Marx as well. They were all kind of uh, real, like fans, because Shelley was not, did not really come to prominence in, during his life, but uh, Mary Shelley actually played a big part in keeping his, you know, after he passed um, in a boning accident, kind of getting his work published and keeping him in the public eye. I mean, partly as a way to ensure an inheritance for her child, the only one of which survived. Uh. Another, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. That's a point, larger point I'm building too. Um, but, um, yeah, but also to kind of, you know, keep these kind of names alive. But to hear the, the, the Claire Claremont counterpoint, which uh, was found, I believe, in 1991 and wasn't widely publicized as being uh, in existence until 2010, and that's what drew me to the book initially was when I heard about it. I was like, oh, I want to check this out. But she, uh, the, the, the letters by Claire Claremont, and this is not, she's not some bystander. This is Mary Shelley's stepsister, lived with Lord Byron and Percy Shelley, you know, in, during that time when Frankenstein was written, I believe, yeah. as well. And then after that was exiled by, Lord, you know, daughter was exiled. <laughs> we'll get to that. I mean, the, but the thing is, like, you know, it's hard to say because, you know, now in today's vernacular, you say, oh, they're canceled, this and that. You can't really cancel Lord Byron. You can't cancel Percy Shelley because it's been so long. Their reach is so far that it's, you know, like... I mean, you can just call them scumbags, right? I mean, can't we just say they were kind of scummy? <laughs> they had scummy tendencies. I mean, if, if we they were not great dudes, <laughs> yeah, no. pretty so accurate. Got, because the not thing is, dudes. I mean, the thing is, it's it's this. Uh, I mean, great yeah. poets, not good dudes. Yeah, yeah. You can use, you can say their work was great, but they're terrible people. I mean, and, it's hard and, to separate. Yeah, I mean, it is hard to separate, and and maybe it's this this the fact that we're so kind of removed from it that it allows us to be able to say, I like his work, but. I don't respect him as... Are we going back to Nanette <laughs> and Hannah Gadsby again? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so... Hard, so right? I mean, yeah, so you, you, can't, you can't cancel... Because if you cancel Percy Shelley, you're, in a way you're canceling, you know, Watchmen, Ghana, yada, yada, yada. But in a, in a lot of ways, you... I mean, Claire... I mean, because in, in the moment, there was times Claire Clement did have correspondence released, and most correspondence, she was always kind of not kind to Lord Byron. And I guess in Lord Byron's defense, when I was looking at his Wikipedia, he may have been abused as a child. So maybe there's some like other, there's mm -hmm. trauma begets trauma begets trauma begets trauma. We are all humans under the sun. Yes, uh, absolutely. But I mean, Lord Byron did terrible things to Claire Cremont. You know, he, they, they, had a, they had a child together. The child was sent to a convent and died before it reached the age of five, you know. And then, and then after a while, she was, ex she was like forced to leave. And then she, you know, but yeah. So yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for Claire Cremont to always have been critical of Lord Byron. But Shelley was, in some ways, I mean, she loved Shelley. You know, they, they, they may have had a child together, which is another kind of gray area, but, I mean, you know, may or may not have. But she loved Shelley. So, I mean, she was never really that negative to them publicly. But in this, these letters were written, I guess, when she was in her 70s and um, when she was preparing things for memoir. Um, I'll just add, read a few of this. Um, if I commit this sad tale to paper and finally to the public, it is with the intention of demonstrating from actual facts what evil passion free love assured what tenderness it dissolves, how it abused affections that should be the solace and balm of life into a destroying scourge, what bitter tears it caused to flow, and what victims it immolated. The reader will behold how the worshippers of free love not only preyed upon one another, but preyed equally upon their own individual selves, turning their existence into a perfect hell. 
So yeah, not not quite exactly. Not uh, a glowing Yelp review. Peace and love. (laughs) Peace and love. And it happened to the hippies too. Not not all of them, of course. We never speak of all of them. But this romantic period, I can imagine, was a similar thing where folks were really kind of you know it was it was a retaking of the ownership of individual expression of things of that sort because after you know post enlightenment things had become so reasonable and you know rational that I understand that there has to be this contrast. So, but yeah, I mean, maybe. Uh, your writings, is, your writings are great. Your ideas are wonderful. But if the people closest to you, it's just agony. You know, that's not good. That's that's really not good. You know, and generally now. <laughs> and, and, and in and in hindsight, you can see how that detached idea, that the, the idea when it's detached and devoid of that personal connection, when you can have these ideas set forth without that kind of personal binding to kind of temper the kind of exhilaration of the freshness of this idea. When you just take it and run with it. Then you get what happens, like say, even Karl Marx, say you read the Communist Manifesto, not, not exactly advocating for famine, mass purges, you know, <laughs> like genocide, but what happens, you know, you, you, you hit a fork in the road, you have no emotional center, you're not grounded, and then all of a sudden, yeah, let's re-educate these people, send them off to the boonies, oh, and it's no. like, you know, I mean, it, it's that kind of thing where without that emotional center, without, without the, the, the empathy for, for your common human being, especially the ones closest to you, I mean, maybe you can cancel, you know, a large... I mean, it's, it's hard to say. Yeah, it's hard to say. Uh, it's a complicated... Yeah. History. Yeah. Tangled web. That we'll probably uh, dive more yeah, into. Yeah, <laughs> this is like a great preview Santa for Barbary. Santa <laughs> one, more, one more before I go. They go to were, Hong's program. <laughs> yeah. They were the fondest and most obstinate advocates and partisans and followers of free love. It appears to me that in the eternal interest of religion, morality, of truth, and right require a plain, straightforward description of their opinions and conduct. Under the influence of the doctrine and belief of free love, I saw the two first poets of England become monsters of lying, meanness, cruelty, and treachery. Under the influence of free love, Lord B became a human tiger, slaking his thirst for inflicting pain upon defenseless women who, under the influence of free love, loved him. You know, like, Lord, Lord Byron, it's a wrap. Lord you're B. done. I, was ne- I, I, I always enjoyed your writing, but I never loved you, so you're out. Per- <laughs> Percy Cancel Sh- Byron. Per- Percy Shelley. I can hear Jace listening <laughs> yeah. from downstairs, and he's running. Percy Shelley, Percy Shelley it's, it's much more complicated, but, I mean, you should have been a better, you know. I mean, three out of four of the kids you had, not counting the one that maybe you had with Claire Claremont, oh, no. but three out yeah. of the four kids you had with Mary Shelley died. And one of them has been documented that died because it had a fever and you were traveling, moving the family from like one area to another. I can, I mean, I can just imagine this in the head, like, we need to stop, I'm tired. No, keep going, keep going. No, we should stop, we should stop. Keep going, keep going. The baby's dead. Okay, let's stop. <laughs> you know, like, it's terrible. It's very bad. Uh, I'm conflicted. <laughs> but I, I mean. You recommend the book. Though. Yeah, the it's book a great is, book. The book is excellent. And, and once again, for the fact that it unearthed these letters that had heretofore been, you know, no one knew, everyone knew of their existence. I like to put a pin in that for, like, <laughs> librarians who spent many hours putting those in archives and entering well, metadata, like, discovered is kind of a quote, unquote. That'll, it was so because it was inside, me. it was inside <laughs> the letters to the mother. It was inside the letters to the mother while parsing, th- I mean, you catalog that piece, yeah. but then within the individual pieces, this, this three-page memoir came out because, you know, she didn't have a memoir, so it was just pieces that she was maybe working on or you know this and that so yes property catalog part of the collection <laughs> owned by Claire Claremont but yeah so not not widely prominent until the, the publication of the 2010 book and that collection was not discovered until 1991 so this is very new stuff young romantic Stacey Hay
that is my pick for this episode. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> we might as well just roll into <laughs> my pick, um, which, of course, I don't have a copy with me today because I keep sh- giving it to everyone who I can give it to, um, is Mary's Monster by Lita Judge. It's actually a YA biography in verse of Mary oh. Shelley, and it's accompanied by every page has a beautiful black and white watercolor painting on it. Mm. So it's almost like a graphic memoir in verse. Um, it's very beautiful. It's an engrossing read. I, it's like 300 pages of free verse poetry, but I read it in like an hour and a half because you can't stop with like Mary Shelley's story and just how terrible. And like, you know, she's, she was a teenager and she invented a genre, right? This teenage girl invented a genre of science fiction because of everything that happened 1818. to her. 1818. 1818. And so it's just this fascinating look, and I'm really glad that I read it before I reread Frankenstein because it puts a very new lens for me on kind of the creature's rage at humanity, and you can really see Mary Shelley and her experiences coming through in the book. Um, a plus would recommend, if you're going to pick up, a bio of Shelley and you are looking for something that is engrossing and you know you don't want to spend three weeks on if you do there are definitely suggestions for that we'll have them for Santa Barbara reads but this one really blew me away I see you have more yeah, books I have, in your I have a great I'll, I'll share one and then we can throw it back <laughs> to you and I have uh, another one well I have two um I have one in my hand, but the one that I'm actually going to recommend that uh, reminded me of during Hong's uh, piece about that, um, the 1991 discovery of the, in the letters of the partial memoir, there's this series called the Pink Carnation series that's part, um, well, the author will always say that it's a romance novel, uh, a romance novel series, um, but there's also like an espionage element to it, and it's, uh, I don't think it's in alternating chapters. I think the bulk of the chapters at the beginning of the books are told in contemporary 2000s. Um, it's a, a researcher going through these letters, trying to track down the identity of this um, of spy, the Pink Carnation, and she's going through all of these boxes of archival material from this family. Spoiler alert, she ends up having like a romantic relationship with uh, one of the uh, family members, uh, which is mm. fine. But then, you <laughs> got <laughs> you know, but so there's those, the contemporary chapters, but then as she's kind of going through this, piecing together this research story, you go back in time to when those archival materials were just present papers, and you learn of this story at that time and some interesting romance <laughs> novel and all, like espionage going on in that time period so and there's like 10 or 12 <laughs> 12 different uh entries in this series because spoiler it ends up just kind of being this like interesting female spy ring in like europe uh, this which sounds is like real cool everything that i would like to read <laughs> so Sign i don't me know up. but like so the thought of like i mean a box of letters being somewhere I'm like oh yeah (laughs) that would be probably fine (laughs) Uh, and I know that we have it uh, most of the books on the shelf here Um, but 
It's the Pink Carnation series by Lauren Willig. Um, and I remember seeing her speak once on a, a panel of romance writers. And uh, it was interesting because I hadn't ever, I, I pitched the, more, the book more as historical fiction, although it's like kind of uh, made up historical fiction. It is about a certain time period though. Um, but she was talking, she spoke to like kind of the identity marketing crisis that her book had had because she had always considered it first and foremost first and foremost a romance novel, and she considers herself a romance novel writer, but uh, her publishing, her agent, had pitched it as like a, a literary or historical fiction, and she was like, no, it's like <laughs> romance. <laughs> nope. So she, she has uh, additional books and series that are maybe slanted more towards the romance-specific genre, but... It's still I feel like you cast a wider net that way. It's like <laughs> Philippa Gregory historical fiction. You get you got your little niche, but then when you go romance, it's like ah, we can go to like CBS and sell you there. You know, so. <laughs> that is like prime real estate for ro yeah. like romance novelists. They're like, I'm in CBS, best day ever. <laughs> <laughs> Target, <laughs> yeah, you get a really great like people walk by and pick up your book, A plus. Mm -hmm. So that was the pick that I wasn't uh, thinking about recommending, but. Will that came up during Hong's? <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best picks, the ones that come, yeah, of the and moment. And then you have another. I book. do. I brought another Sorry, romance Hong. novel. We're just gonna like. No, no. Keep this going. is. The, I only had one, so yeah. Keep going. <laughs> keep on keeping on. I know. Well, Jace stole like all of my favorite romance <laughs> novel recommendations. Like you can't be mad at someone. You created yeah. a monster. I know. No. It's like you kick, <laughs> kicking game. It's good that you know you pick up on that. Yeah. So I actually brought something a little different than what I normally read, uh, but that I really enjoyed. It's The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. Um, it's a new release. It just came out in May or June. Um, I've seen this book cover. Yeah, it is, it is doing wildly well. And um, it's been pitched as a read-alike for Crazy Rich Asians or to All the Boys I Loved Before. So it's like really recently hit. popular. Exactly. Asian, Asian American, American protagonist. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it's a romance novel, contemporary, which is not normally my jam. But um, it's about an econometrician, Stella, uh, who is on the autism spectrum. And so she's had really terrible experiences with romance in the past. And she decides that what she's going to do is practice being better at romance and intimacy by hiring a male escort to do that. And so you sort of fall into this story where the two of them, um, Michael, who is the male escort, who's having his own family crises and his own wonderfully complex backstory and how they fall in love and really teach, like their relationship teaches them about themselves in really great ways. Um, but it's great own voices, like look at someone who is on the autism spectrum, and it's just really exciting. So is this escort like full-blown gigolo, or is this escort oh, yeah. like, okay. No, it is like flipped, she likes to call it like a flipped pretty woman. Okay, because they do have those cafes in Koreatown, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> no, they, this they is just <laughs> hang out with you for a couple hours, I wasn't sure. Nope, full-blown, okay. Full okay. but it's a really interesting look at um, intimacy and just the way that, you know, Stella's had all these really terrible experiences in the past with people um, and the way that 
talking with someone, really just like that sort of intimacy and physical intimacy is all really important in playing a part of building a relationship. And is the division subplot strong? Because there is the, 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 <laughs> the, the kids' quotient. The, the division she's problem for I mean, she's essentially a mathematician, yeah, right? Okay. She. Here's Reader's Guide question. Yeah, I mean, it's full-blown ready for your book club. <laughs> and the eventual movie adaptation. Oh, it's, it's really excellent. It's been really living the high life these past few months, and I know why. I was reading it in the pool, and people <laughs> were like, please excuse me, I need to get by. And I'm like, no, I'm reading this. It's very important. <laughs> I'll move later. <laughs> I have to know what happens. And that's, for me, I think the really good mark of a good romance novel is, like, even though you know by form that they're going to get together at the end, right? Like, obviously. Yeah, but it's the travail and whatnot. But, like, if if a novel can convince me that, oh, God, maybe they're not going to get together, did I, like, not pick up a romance (laughs) novel? Well, there's always a twist where the one, like, random friend, they end up going that way, and then they find someone else, like a random, like, the twist of fate ones. But, yeah, that's more. I think there's this, isn't there, like, a twist of fate, like, Harlequin (laughs) (laughs) imprint? Imprint, yeah. I hope so. (laughs) Ah, tropes, my favorite thing. Uh, On, well, I guess when you go to your book club, I have a a cookbook recommendation, Dining In by Alison Roman. You might have seen maybe her, she she is now a columnist, an eat columnist for the New York Times, wildly popular contemporary uh, chef. Um, in this book, there is a recipe for salted, was it chocolate chunk salted uh, shortbread cookies that I made for the staff once uh, at the library, and because very excellent, everyone, all of Can't the attest. all of the internet was like, you will not believe like how incredible these cookies are, and I was like, we'll see. <laughs> I was like skeptical and. Uh, yeah, as Lisa yeah, <laughs> noted. The, the they passed the library test, <laughs> the seal of approval. Sea salt adds a lot to a lot of desserts. Like that little bit of savoriness just cuts it, and it's like, it almost creates like an umami. Like, yeah, so I'm a fan. She, um, she pitches her recipes as uh, highly cookable recipes. I think there's also a level of, like, highly Instagrammable recipes <laughs> because she's um, – a contemporary and kind of new millennium um, chef, but uh, she has just very interesting and complex recipes without them being like uh, so standoffishly complex. She just uh, puts together a lot of interesting things that you're like, oh, let me widen my horizons to spicy garlicky white beans or roasted tomato and anchovy uh, bucatini. So I don't know, but it's available um, at the library. Do you have yeah, one more? Yeah, I do book, have Lisa? one more. Like I could, I could <laughs> have fine. a million. This is just how I live my life. Um, so I also brought a YA dystopian novel oh. called Rebel Soul. And because you're not here I and you cannot this. physically see it, it's Seoul as in the city in South Korea. Um, but it was pitched to me as a Pacific Rim meets a K-drama and like there Whoa. is no crossover that could be better in that my could opinion. Be really good. And it and lives it was? up to that. <laughs> it was? Like it lives up to that promise. It's this great action-packed dystopian novel where you have these like there's been a 50-year ongoing world war and kind of the way they're solving it is this Ender's Game style get the children to do it for you, teach the children to 
you know, fight in these, they call them god machines, but they're essentially the Jaegers of Pacific Rim. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our main character, J1, sort of learns a little bit about what the government's actually doing and has to make a lot of choices about whether he'll follow in his father's footsteps, who is a notorious rebel against the state, or if he'll stay in his very, like, swanky position in the military. But action-packed, full of very exciting twists and turns, and also, like, really great character development. I remember you recommended this on the Staff Picks blog. I did. Is that a medal winner of some sort? It looks like it won the New Visions award-winning science fiction debut. Mm. So I'm not familiar with the New Visions award, but neither am I. But it won the Lisa Seal of Approval. (laughs) Oh, let's just (laughs) turn over (laughs) that. Yeah, forget (laughs) you, New Visions. (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna look it up later, and it's gonna be like highly prestigious prestigious (laughs) award that we're all embarrassed we did not know about. Well. Can't go wrong there. That's how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) Can't know everything, but I can look it up. So, yes, in summary, Percy Shelley may be okay. Lord Byron, goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Rebel Soul, cookbooks, pink. Chocolate chunk. Yeah. What what was the series? Pink Carnation. Pink Carnation. Carnation. Espionage Ring. Spoilers. (laughs) And, uh, yes. Romance abound. (laughs) (laughs) Espy reads Frankenstein. So, um, stay tuned. Visit the library website. Check the calendar. We got tons of events coming. Um, enjoy oh, yourselves and yes. you can we will have a regular podcast oh yeah we've been we, we're going to keep a regular schedule now that's big news <laughs> <laughs> every thursday around eleven thirty or so I, once i get the grinch meantime conversion down we'll be trying to release every thursday around eleven thirty to give it kind of a coffee break time so yes enjoy yes yeah. till next time bye bye see you at the library